The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined by my co-host, Travis Fuller. How's it going, Rhett? We got some beautiful fall Midwest weather here today. So you know what that means? Basketball is on the horizon. We are hours away from basketball right now, and it could not be more exciting. Before we get started, please make sure you give us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts so we can get up to that 35 number, which is the magic number for another mailbag, which a lot of you have been asking about. So my first question back is, have you done a rating and review? And if the answer is no, it's like, well, then there you go. That's the next thing you need to do to get a mailbag going. We are here today to talk about the Chicago Bulls. And joining us to talk about the Chicago Bulls is nobody because we can both talk about the Chicago Bulls pretty well. And we could not find a guest that was able to make it into their schedule. So Travis Foley is here to talk to me about the Chicago Bulls. So, That's right. The uh, the 4-0 Chicago Bulls. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the uh, Chicago Sky just won the WNBA finals. And it's crazy that Chicago Bulls and Chicago Sky are going to be champions in the same year. <laughs> I hope so. I got a futures bet uh, dependent on it. So <laughs> we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's it's exciting. I mean, the Bulls, in my opinion, had the best offseason out of any team. And that's that's not my bias coming into play here. I legitimately think that the players that they went out and signed and brought in, uh, along with uh, Levine being there in the Vooch trade last year, they all really complement each other well. And I think the end goal with all these players is the same. They have a lot of guys that just want to win. They don't care about their stats. Uh, they just they just want to, to win ball games and win a championship. And I think it, this team is really starting to gel well early on in the season, which is pretty exciting for us Bulls fans. I was not as much of a fan of the DeMar DeRozan trade. I loved the Lonzo signing. We thought that that was going to happen at the trade deadline last year. We're honestly quite upset that the Bulls didn't pull it off just because we wanted to see Vooch and Lonzo and Levine closed the season out with those extra 15, 20 games, whatever it is, but that didn't happen. So instead they had a massive summer and Lonzo was apparently tampering because that was done within seconds of free agency opening. So absolutely, absolutely. Some tampering going on yeah, there, but uh, yeah, um, as is the fine. case for most of those early signs. Yeah. You're telling me you didn't quite get the conditions done in two minutes. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> So Lonzo loved it. And then we started hearing about DeRozan and the DeRozan trade as a whole. They didn't give up anything, but the money that they gave him, I was a little bit nervous about just because he is, he has limitations as a player, even though he does bring something to this Bulls roster that hopefully can push them deep into the playoffs. Yeah. The defensive limitations are the obvious with DeRozan. But we really need playmaking on this team. Last year, for those of you that, that watched the games, it was basically in the fourth quarter, it was give the ball to Zach Levine and, and hope he can score. And that was pretty much our offense to close out games. So having DeRozan there is really going to take a ton of pressure off Levine to try and close out games. Uh, and, and he's just added another playmaker to this team, Lonzo. I hope they give Lonzo the point guard duties, but we, we've seen what Lonzo can do with his improved shooting. And 
you're just going to have a bunch of guys that can handle the ball and shoot as well. So I, I like the DeRozan signing. I, I think we have enough good athletes on this team and guys that can step up and play defense off the bench to kind of hide any of DeRozan's inefficiencies on the defensive end. That's one thing that we really liked about their offseason was the Lori Markinen trade because getting a first for a guy that you weren't keeping that had absolutely no place on this roster once they got all of the guys that they got, but then also getting a guy like Derek Jones Jr. who does fit in nicely with this rotation as just an absolute athlete to go out there and wreak havoc. He may not be the best like offensive player, but with that starting lineup, if you take one of those guys off the floor and throw Derek Jones Jr. in there or Troy Brown Jr. in there, that's still a really versatile lineup that has some defensive flexibility, not even to mention the Alex Caruso signing, which I loved. I thought $10 million for Alex Caruso was awesome. I'm surprised that the Lakers let him go, but then you see it come to fruition, and man, that is just, that's just some extreme versatility with the Bulls on both ends of the floor that is just... It's it's so encouraging looking looking forward, hoping that Levine stays put. Yeah, so right off the bat, the, the starting lineup, you're going to have Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, who is back and healthy and is going to be in the opening day lineup, which is great to see. We were kind of unsure with that ankle injury he had, but I'm glad that he's back. And then Nikola Vucevic starting at the five. Uh, and then judging off the last, the final preseason game and, and kind of the things that I've been reading from from bowls camp, it sounds like it's going to be just a nine man unit to start this season. And it looks like that Derek Jones jr. Is going to be left out of that rotation. Which isn't too much of a surprise. I was really looking forward to seeing what Derek Jones jr. Would do with Patrick Williams out. But obviously if you can have Patrick Williams instead, you'd just rather have that for every game of the season if possible. But another guy that, is not going to be in the rotation right now because he is still injured is Kobe white. What do you think the ramifications of that are going to be? Do you think that pushes it to a 10 man rotation or does Kobe white take somebody else's spot in the group? We'll see how things go early on. Kobe is not expected to be back. His original timeline was uh, mid to late November. Uh, We haven't gotten an update on that yet, but that's kind of the timeline that we all expect if we can get him back by December uh, I think that'll be a nice boost at that time, but we'll see how things go to start. He definitely could push a guy like Javante green, who it looks like is going to be in that rotation to start. They could definitely push him out, but it, it just depends on how things are rolling. If the Bulls start out hot, if they're looking good, then you know m- maybe Kobe white doesn't come in and take somebody's spot. Um, maybe he's just more of a, a spot player and uh, maybe they do run a 10 man rotation. We talked about it after we reacted to all of the offseason moves about the Bulls, and we said that Kobe White was one of the biggest losers for any young player this year because he went from like darn near starting half the time. Like Sadaransky was out there, you know, you had some other options, but then you bring in Lonzo, Caruso, and DeRozan, who all score and play like kind of similar positions DeRozan, not as much, but they just don't need him to do what he's best at as more of a combo scoring guard. And so even when he does come back, if he comes back slow, I can see him not being in the rotation nearly as much. It's very possible. Last year, he got 31 minutes a game. I don't see him even getting close to 28 minutes a game. I think it'll be, he'll struggle to even 
get close to 28 minutes. And that's just because of what he does. Just It just doesn't match up with, with what we need, especially at the guard position. Uh, I'd much rather have a player like Caruso in there alongside our stars than a guy like Kobe White. Now you can say that he can definitely run the second unit and be a, a scorer off the bench for the second unit. But I just don't see this team even needing that, honestly, because no. I, I really feel like either Levine or DeRozan is going to be in there at all times. You're going to have a playmaker in there at all times. So Kobe could be a compliment to that, but he's not exactly somebody that we have to have in there. And that's concerning for his dynasty outlook, at least for the next couple of years. Now he's heading into year three. Uh, he'll be on the Bulls for another year after that, I'm assuming, but it is hard to envision the Bulls keeping him and giving him money towards the future, depending upon how this team looks, of course. But it it just seems like he's kind of going to be the odd man out moving forward. Which is a bummer because he looked like he had tons of opportunity. I'm sure people may have been buying into him in Dynasty Leagues. But the Bulls should always have two of Lonzo. Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch on the court at all times. And so then you really just need defense around that. Yeah. Kobe White has some shooting and Lonzo can play off ball. So there's some opportunity there, but who knows? I think that's our surprising player in a negative way because Kobe White could end up not being really in the rotation nearly as much. Do we have a surprising player in a good way? And I really love Alex Caruso. I know we've mentioned him when we did our fantasy awards as somebody, you had him as your sixth man of the year. Sure did. Uh, I just love where you can get him in drafts, what you what it'll take to acquire him in a trade. I think he's definitely just going to outplay whatever value you have to give up to get him. If you need assists, steals, he's going to throw in threes as well. And the biggest thing is he's going to get opportunity. We, we've seen it already in preseason. Uh, everything that I've seen from the news and, and Bulls camp is just positive reviews from him. I, Out of all the players that we've acquired, the most positive news has been from Alex Caruso and what he can do for this team. So he's going to get minutes off the bench. And I, I love what he's going to be able to bring to your fantasy team. Now, is he going to be a league winner? No, but he's going to be able to help you quite a bit for somebody that's so cheap to acquire. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. That's exactly right. It's mostly just about the value with a guy like Caruso, and that's why I had him as my sixth man of the year. But looking at the preseason, if you want to try to take something from it, he got 26 minutes, 26 minutes, 22 minutes, and 20 minutes. I would not be surprised to see him in, at that 26-minute mark like very, very consistently because that guard defense is going to be very important for that team with Vooch back there and with DeRozan on the floor often. And, and Levine did pick it up a little bit, but he's still – 
he's still got to prove it a little bit this season. So those are two very, very good choices for surprising players. Let's talk about some young guys. Our boy, Patrick Williams. Now, I love this guy. And I I think we were both shocked when they went for him at four. But what do you see from Pat Will moving forward? And what is it about him that has him so high in our dynasty rankings? Well, the first thing is just the eye test. I mean, you just look at this guy and he is just an athletic freak. He that and that's why he was taken at number four. Is he's so big, he's got so much ability, but he just hasn't put it all together yet. And that's coming. He he did play in the summer league this year, which I was glad to see. He looked like he did not belong in the summer league. Uh, but it, it did allow him to work on his game a little bit, especially on the offensive end, which is what he needed most. And he he did, he did improve. He looked a little bit better as a playmaker. His ball handling had tremendously improved. And he, he, he looked pretty good last year with his jump shot, and that looked a little bit better too, just a little bit more uh, fluid and a little more confidence in it. And that's going to be huge because he will need to be able to make more than 0.83s per game that he did last year. It's kind of a bummer to see the Bulls get so many players because I wanted to see what he would do this year on a team that was going to be bad like the Bulls were going to be where it was just Levine and Kobe White. But obviously you'll take the better team if it even means squandering guys like Pat Will and Kobe White, who we already talked about a little bit. But two other guys, Derek Jones Jr., you said is probably not going to be in the rotation. What do you think about Troy Brown, who is at the moment currently extension eligible for like another 24 hours? Is he somebody that should be playing on this Bulls team? He will play. Yeah, he absolutely will play, and that's because of of his versatility, his ability to handle the ball, um, as well as just his athleticism and the ability to play defense. And obviously, that's kind of a continual theme with all of these rotation players is they're athletic and they have the ability on the defensive end to help. And that's really what the Bulls need when you have guys like Levine, Vooch, DeRozan. You have to have athleticism on the defensive end to make up for those deficiencies. And Troy Brown Jr. absolutely has that. I know a lot of people have been high on him, especially going back to his Washington days when he was pretty much playing de facto point guard there and and whatnot. But he won't have that role at the Bulls, but he is still young. He's only 22. He was a a mid-first-round pick. And I know teams still look at that when they're evaluating players. Um, So I don't know if he's going to get the extension with the Bulls, but he will be in the rotation early on, so somebody to definitely keep an eye on. I would not be shocked if he went into restricted free agency and did not get an extension. It just seems like the Bulls have so much money tied up already that you kind of just roll the dice and see if somebody matches them and then figure it out from there. Another couple guys, very, very small, Alizé Johnson and then your second-round pick, Ayo, who I really liked coming out of the draft. Are either of these two worth flyers in, say, our 30-team league? I know they're both rostered in our 30-team league, but are they going to be worth it outside of, obviously, injuries? So we'll start with Alizé Johnson. He will not be in the rotation to start, but there's a reason that the Bulls kept him on the roster. He, he did make the roster, which is, first and foremost, the biggest deal. Uh, he was kind of one of those guys that was on the border of if he was going to make the team or not. He did make the team. Now he will need a little bit of help in order to get playing time. Uh, but we've seen it. You know, Pat Will went down early. So you, so you just really never know as far as injuries go. Those are going to happen throughout the season. But the nice part about him is he doesn't need a lot of minutes to be useful. He's a rebounding machine when he's on the court. Absolute so, animal. So that's that's kind of the nice part with him is he just needs to find a way to get 15 to 18 minutes. 
And it's possible with an injury, he's going to be the next man up there. And the Bulls, if you look at their front court depth, it's very, very lacking. I mean, that's that's the spot where we really don't have much depth whatsoever. And that's why Pat Will's injury was such a big deal. So it it only take one or two guys to get banged up and and boom, he's in there playing 15 to 20 minutes and he's useful for you. For sure. I love Alizé, former Pacer, um, just a guy who goes out there and plays so incredibly hard and is, I swear, six inches taller than the six foot six that he's usually listed as. But last guy, AO, if Kobe White isn't getting minutes, then AO isn't getting minutes. It's really that simple. Yeah, look for him to be on the G League team to start the season. I was thrilled with this pick. I know all Chicago Bulls fans were absolutely thrilled to get Don Sumu. He's a, he's a local dude and he was a projected. I was seeing him late first round in most um, NBA mock drafts that, that I was looking at. So it was a, it just a, a really good fit and a, a guy that works really hard, plays good defense, but he does need to work a little bit on his offensive game. Um, and they just don't really need him right now. So expect for him to be in the G league, but just somebody to keep an eye on. If you have a G league spot or a minor league spot or, or what have you, definitely somebody worth putting on there uh, and kind of stashing away, but nobody that's going to be useful this year. For sure. Well, Travis, thanks for joining me to talk about the Chicago Bulls <laughs> and we will be right back to talk about the Utah Jazz. So we are talking about the Utah Jazz and I could not be happier to be joined by McCade Pearson, who is a big jazz fan or hater. I don't know which one you want to say about that. Depends on who you ask, I guess. Uh, McCade, how are you doing today? We're good. Uh, by the time we're done recording, this podcast will be under 50 hours until the regular season starts. So we're, we're, you know, we're ramped up, ready to go. Um, yeah, but who's counting? As, uh, not me at all. Uh, I have a math degree, so I don't deal with numbers too much. Let's talk about the rotation that the jazz are hopeful can win a championship because they certainly don't have a lot of young players to be looking forward to. And they didn't make a bunch of moves this offseason. So what is that rotation going to look like and how is that going to impact some fantasy output? So Quinn Snyder is very, very strict on a nine man rotation. Um, and that will never change under Quinn Snyder. So you have your starting five, he usually been utilizing Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert in three stints instead of two. It's probably the number one reason the Jazz were so good last year. Conley and Gobert went in three stints per half instead of two, and then they'll trickle in a couple of bench guys. The other weird thing Quinn does with his rotation that listeners need to know is it's not a very traditional who's the backup point guard, who's the third string point guard. It's more two groupings, and so it doesn't matter if it's Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, or Jordan Clarkson that gets hurt. It's going to be Jared Butler. Joe Ingles gets hurt, still Jared Butler. Um, if anyone gets hurt, Jared Butler is going to be the guy that steps in. If it's a bigger guy, um, Rudy Gay might miss the first couple weeks of the regular season. Then you might be getting Eric Pascal. And if uh, Rudy Gobert gets hurt, then it just doesn't even matter to Jess. <laughs> um, so we haven't thought about what happens there. Um, but yeah, you know, if Hassan Whiteside gets hurt, it's probably Eric Pascal stepping in and playing some small ball five, him and Rudy Gay. So it's very linear of having a 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th guy, not a third string point guard and a third string power forward and whatnot. Um, they are lined up like it's elementary school heading to lunch. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want to see though. When you, when you have a, a team, I mean, they finished first place last year in the West. That's, you know, it makes sense that they have their, their lineups in check and, and they're going to have the run out the same rotation that last year, like Rhett mentioned, they didn't really add anybody new. Uh, but, but a couple guys I do want to talk about because they, they have a really good bench and that sometimes can get overlooked when guys don't start, when guys aren't getting 30 minutes a game, 
Uh, but what do you see uh, Jordan Clarkson doing this year? He's sixth man of the year. Do you see him doing something similar to what he did last year? And, and is he able to keep up the same production? Yeah. So it's really interesting and weird with Jordan Clarkson. Jazz fans love them. They think that Clarkson for Exum trade was the best trade in franchise history. Um, which we can sit here and debate for half an hour if you would like. I'm assuming we, we did it. We've already that. done it. Yeah. Good. Um, so, but Clarkson will do what he did last year. And last year, the first six weeks of the season, he was absolutely amazing and he looked phenomenal. And then the last three months of the season, he was awful. And then he was bad in the playoffs. And you see these quarters here or there. And in short, you just know what you're getting from Jordan Clarkson. Look at his career, ignore the first six weeks of last year, and you know what you're getting from Jordan Clarkson. Um, Quinn has a tendency to have very strong opinions about players um, and extends and shortens leashes based on that. And he loves Jordan Clarkson. So there's not really a world in which Clarkson gets benched, even if he's shooting two for 20 every night, which is what it feels like sometimes. So I wouldn't worry about that by any means. I know some jazz can be like maybe Jerry Butler could push, you know, Jordan Clarkson aside a little bit. And that will not happen unless Clarkson gets traded. And if he gets traded from fantasy perspective, that means he's keeping his value to whatever new team he's getting traded to. So Jordan Clarkson will not be surprising this year because he's going to be staying the same unless you expect him to regress a little bit which you could then you could be pleasantly surprised if he (laughs) maintains if you look at his numbers from february 1st to the end of the year he's not going to regress to that that's what he is that's what he's been his whole career so is there a player that could be surprising either in a good way or a bad way somebody that might that might have had a down year that'll step up this year or who was doing too much last year and is likely to regress. People are really worried about Joe Ingles around here. There's this weird narrative that he wasn't good in the playoffs, despite his 72 shooting percentage in the playoffs, just like the regular season. Like he's just really solid, but the eye test wasn't there for a lot of people. So there's some rumors that especially as Rudy Gay misses the first couple weeks of the season is looking more and more likely that Joe Ingles will stop playing a lot of point guard and move a lot more to power forward, which is, you know, that's a big jump, right? From the one to the four, but there could be some regression there in terms of assists and playmaking from Joe Ingles. Obviously his shooting numbers are never going to drop. He's always going to be an elite shooter. The Jazz last year were the number one team and getting shots up in the first seven seconds of the shot clock. Joe Ingles is the number one shooter in the entire NBA in the first seven seconds of a shot clock and so i'd expect that to continue and as long as joe's pulling them up from wherever left and right you're still going to get that same efficiency value and still that kind of all-around value you know he's man steals and man blocks and he just kind of does everything at an okay enough level um but there could be some regression there in terms of assists and with that comes turnovers and then again we could be sitting here a month in the season and mike conley has a hamstring issue for the 15th time uh in only 15 years something like (laughs) i've lost count um and then, you know, maybe the Jazz panic can put Joe Ingles back into that role. But that, at least right now, is a possibility that Ingles does uh, lose some ball handling privileges. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And I actually picked up Ingles in our 12-team league as a guy that I, I thought could help me. So in assists and, and maybe pick up a few steals and threes as well. So hopefully he does still maintain a role. Another guy I want to talk about is Rudy Gay. And that's because he's just a new face to a, a team that is much of the same compared to last year. I know he's injured right now to start this season, but is he somebody that can potentially take the starting spot of Royce O'Neal or is he just going to be a player off the bench looking at 20 minutes? He won't start at any point of the year, um, but it will be interesting to see where his minute goes. I talked about why the Jazz were so good last year, and it's the Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, three stints per half thing. And with that, it George Niang, he had his struggles and had his uh, benefits. 
And one of the things that really made him one of the best players relative to public perception last year was uh, he played all of his minutes next to Rudy Gobert. I think it was something crazy, like 98.7% of his minutes next to Rudy Gobert. And with that, the Jazz had a plus 17 net rating um, with those lineups. We called it our death lineup because it was Conley and Gobert and our bench against opposing benches. And, you know, that's, that's the end of it, right? Um, but with Niang gone, Rudy Gay doesn't fit that Niang mold. So I'm very concerned. My biggest personal concern with the Jazz this year is you can't just take Rudy Gay, who's this inefficient shot creator, and drop him in Niang, who's this lights-out shooter from three, this 42% shooter over the last three years, this you know relatively decent playmaker on a weird level. Uh, Niang was like the only guy on our team who would actually look to pass to Rudy Gobert, so that's kind of weird. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how the Jazz shake up the rotation because it's not just as simple as drop Rudy Gay into George Niang. Um, Gay's, I think, really there to solve the Mitchell Clarkson minutes in the middle of all four quarters. We have Mitchell Clarkson minutes, and those are a disaster defensively, just abysmal. And people blame Tony Bradley, and people blame Derek Favors, and people are going to blame Hassan Whiteside. And but that might guys, actually be reasonable. Um, those guys just aren't Rudy <laughs> Gobert. It's like, yeah, Derek Favors isn't good at defense. It's like, no, he's not a top five defender of all time. Like, what are we doing here? Um, it's going to happen again this year. Whiteside won't be great by any means, but the Jazz will struggle in the non-Rudy minutes. People will blame it on the backup center minutes, and it will be because Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson both can't play defense. And so Rudy Gay theoretically might slide into that lineup as kind of a weak side defender in a Robert uh, Covington role a little bit. And then that might drop Boyan to be a third player who plays three stints and maybe Boyan plays three stints with Mike and Rudy. And so really seeing how the rotation shakes out is a huge thing right now for jazz fans um, and how you get Rudy Gay in a situation where he can be effective. Yeah, absolutely. So now moving on to the young players and I use that term loosely because we talked about it. Donovan Mitchell is not, technically a young player even though he is about 25 years old so in the grand scheme of things he is young but he's on a max contract like you said so what young players on this team should we be looking out for from a dynasty perspective some stashes maybe I know Jared Butler has shown some really good things is there anybody else or something about Jared Butler that we need to know for the long term I mean I think people are hoping Eric Pascal finds something to go from 42nd pick sorry 40 41st pick to all rookie first team to trade it for a top 42 protected second pick in like 10 months is ridiculous and so I think people are hoping there he's the 10th guy if a big gets hurt as I said um I wouldn't expect him to get minutes early Elijah Hughes looks okay I think he's gonna pass Mione in the rotation Mione's on a non-guaranteed deal so I think he actually might not even make it through the January 7th guaranteed date or trade deadline um but I wouldn't expect anything from Elijah Hughes this year. It's really all about Jared Butler, at least at the rookie level and dynasty level. Jared Butler should put some minor pressure on the Jazz to trade Jordan Clarkson. They should, he should put some minor pressure on the Jazz to look to trade Mike Conley within the next two seasons. And I think there's hope that Jared Butler could progress either into a six-man heavy minutes bench guy or maybe even a starter next to Donovan Mitchell long-term. Um, he led all rookies in points per game in the preseason, which Jazz fans have tweeted at me like 500 times, it feels like. Um, and, you know, has some really good playmaking and all that fun stuff. Uh, an okay defender. Um, people have been joking about a three-guard lineup with Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Jared Butler at some point, but I don't think that would work. And so maybe they do try it, but I think it fails and it doesn't matter at all. 
But uh, Jared Butler is the sole name to look at from a young player's perspective because the Jazz are quietly as old as the Lakers this year. Um, you know, you go from George Niang to Rudy Gay, that's an extra eight years on your roster. You go from Derek Favors to Son Whiteside, that's an extra two years on your roster. And we brought back the other seven who are just a year older. So outside of Donovan Mitchell, everyone's pretty much at 30 or older. And I love Jared Butler. So I'm a, I'm a Baylor guy. I uh, watched him last year pretty much every game, and that backcourt was just ferocious, and Butler was a big part of that. I think he's going to be a really good NBA player. He may not be flashy, but he's definitely a guy that's going to help you on the defensive end and get the job done on the offensive end as well. Uh, one guy I do want to bring up because he has a top 10 finish, and that's a Hassan Whiteside. <laughs> I know Rhett was over there itching to talk about him just a little bit, so I'm going to throw him out there. Uh, I know you got Rudy Gobert, all-world defender, but is there going to be 15 minutes for Hassan this year? That's up to Hassan. Um, <laughs> like, we'll figure that out. Um, yeah, I'm not too worried about, I think the whole uh, versatility, small ball five, Rudy Gay or Pascal thing is way overblown, both in the regular season and the playoffs. I'd expect, the thing with Whiteside is if he is on the Jazz roster, he'll be playing 15 minutes a night. But if you were to tell me right now that he's not on the roster come the trade deadline or come December 15th or come three weeks from now, I wouldn't be surprised. Like he's on a minimum contract. The Jazz cut him tomorrow with pretty much nothing other than the minimum cap hit penalty. We saw him do it with Jeff Green two years ago. Uh, you know, we're sitting there on Christmas Eve and all of a sudden Jeff Green's just like not on the Jazz anymore. And so you could see that with Hassan Whiteside. Um, but if he's on the roster, he'll be playing 15 minutes. And so you won't have to worry about that from a fantasy perspective of, is this guy going to get minutes tonight? Where's he at? Like he's either getting 15 minutes or he's on a beach retired. So which, that's a block. That's, that's a, that is two blocks. That's, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's awesome. I know last year that was kind of the issue with with owning him, and yeah. I know he, he's not a huge part of most teams. But if, if you know if you're in a punt where uh, you're counting on blocks, you need him playing in games. Whether it's it's twelve fifteen minutes, that's fine. Last year was an issue where he would just not play. I will throw out as jazz fans, we are hoping and praying he blocks less and less and less shots every day because there's a reason he blocks more shots than Rudy Gobert. And it's because Rudy is really good at staying on his feet and not chasing blocks. And Hassan chases them like crazy and lets up offensive rebounds because of it. And it's not a good thing that he blocks so many shots. So we are hoping that Rudy Gobert and Quinn Snyder can sit him down and get him to block less shots this year. As backwards as that sounds, it is a thing we are hoping for. That is um, not a thing I'm hoping for. In Just, practice, sorry, but <laughs> in practice, we'll see what happens. There you go. Yeah, I wouldn't be upset if Hassan just blocked like 2.4 shots a game. That would be that'd be reasonable. And especially for you super deep leagues, like that's worth a pickup. Like if he's getting 15 minutes a game, he's gonna be worth a pickup. You might be tanking the jazz from inside, but he's gonna be good for your fantasy team. So I was gonna say I'll throw one more thing out. Um, heaven forbid. Uh, my worst nightmare is something happens to Rudy Gobert. But Hassan yeah. Whiteside playing 30 minutes a night. Our uh, We owe our first-round pick to the Grizzlies this year because the Mike Conley trade, and it's top six protected. So if Rudy goes down with a season-ending injury early, Hassan Whiteside playing 30 minutes a night would be a great path to keeping our draft pick this year. And that's kind of been the thing that's been <laughs> Travis's point this whole time. It's like, you know, that's a guy that you kind of want to have just on the you, on the off chance. For, for what you're going to pay to get him, it's a chance. I mean, like you – like we said, he's a, he had a top 10 year. I'm not saying he can do that again, but man, even 20 minutes. Is, you see it all the time uh, in fantasy football with running backs, where if you go out and get an Ezekiel Elliott, you make sure you get Tony Pollard. So when Zeke gets hurt, you still have a top 10 running back. Kind of similar idea. If you get Rudy Gobert on your team, you should 
probably really think about getting Hassan Whiteside late in your draft because he will have really good value um, if something does happen to Rudy. And by late, we mean like really late. Like don't, <laughs> this is not late 12 <laughs> team, like in the one fifties, this is late in like the two hundreds and, and yes, beyond yes. the three hundreds. So yes, McCade, we really, really appreciate you coming on and bringing some serious jazz insight. Where can people find you? What are you working on and oh. what should we be looking for from you? So you can find me on Twitter at McCade P8. It's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. I'm a really big cap nerd. So if anybody has any salary cap questions or any capologist questions like that, I've uh, spent hundreds of hours researching the NBA salary cap and that stuff. So feel free to come ask me cap questions. Um, I do run the 30 team fancy basketball league where we follow the NBA's collective bargaining agreement as much as possible. And we're always having not a ton, but enough people jump in and out of that. So if anybody's interested in that league, it is a ton of fun. It will anger you because uh, we do a free agency. And so it sucks when you flip a coin and lose Anthony Davis for the next five years because the coin flip landed on tails instead of heads. But that's part of the fun of it, right, is uh, and following the real NBA because I'm sure, and as a Jazz fan, I, that happened with Gordon Hayward, right? So I get that anger, and that's a healthy, realistic anger. But, yep, come check it out. Um, I have a podcast. Uh, we just rebranded to Gen Z jazz basketball at the gen z podcast network so you can check that out and yeah just give me a follow on twitter i'm always there uh getting hate from jazz fans and throwing out things that come true three months later <laughs> which jazz fans hate even more at that right, point <laughs> right exactly yeah don't hate me because i'm right uh anyways thank you everybody for tuning in we really appreciate your time and as always we will see you again next time This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.